I'm going to read Psalm 51, which you will find on page 549 in the Green Bibles. That's Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, O God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Judith. If you'd like to um, keep that uh, passage open, and let's pray as we, before we look at it. Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm of confession. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this, you might stir our hearts to confess to you and to receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but... I find it almost impossible ever to admit 
that I'm wrong or have ever done anything wrong. It's difficult, isn't it? We see that in the, um, in the expenses scandal at the moment with MPs, how for some it's just so difficult to say, I've messed up, I've got it wrong, I'm sorry. In 1931, Tugun Crowley was captured after a gunfight with 150 policemen in New York City. He was one of the most dangerous criminals um, ever in the history of New York. They said of him that he would just kill at a drop of a hat. There was one time where he was driving along in his car and a policeman came and asked for his license. And without hesitation, he pulled out a gun, shot the policeman, and then jumped out the car where the policeman was lying prostrate and took the policeman's revolver and shot him again as he was lying prostrate. Crowley wrote himself during the gunfight immediately prior to his arrest. He said of himself this, Under my coat is a weary heart, but a kind one, one that would do nobody any harm. Another criminal once said, I have spent the best years of my life giving people the lighter pleasures, helping them to have a good time, and all I get is abuse, the existence of a hunted man. That was Al Capone, America's most notorious criminal who terrorized Chicago. It's just so difficult, isn't it, to admit that we're wrong. I go to a monastery in the south of France every year to see uh, Luigi, who's a Benedictine monk, who serves as a sort of spiritual guide to me. And I remember the second time I went to see him, I was talking with him this problem of, of just how difficult it is to um, confront some of the sort of the dark things within us, the, the bits we're ashamed of. And he suggested we, I, I try and confess some things to him. And I remember it so clearly. I made um, a tentative start. I got one or two things out. And then my mind went completely blank. And my body started feeling exhausting and exhausted and, sh and shut down. And I remember just sort of leaving his room, sort of staggering back to my room. It was about four in the afternoon, going to bed, and then waking up late the next morning. And it was as if my, kind of my mind and my body were just saying, no, don't do it, don't confess. Don't do it. I don't know whether you're similar. Whether there's something you just don't want to quite admit to God. Or to anyone. To your husband or wife or to your family, to work colleagues. That you're, and you just can't quite face saying, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. We convince ourselves, don't we? That we're actually in the right. We try justifying ourselves or blaming others, or circumstances, or the system, or our family, or our upbringing. Or sometimes we try to flee from what we've done, distracting ourselves maybe through burying ourselves in our work, or through drinking, or constant entertainment, or endless social activities. Confession, I think, is one of the most difficult things to do, to face up to God and say, I'm sorry. I got it wrong, I've messed up. I've hurt you and I've hurt other people. I've ignored the needs and desires of others. It's terrifying and it's incredibly difficult. It means being honest about the state of our lives. Sometimes it means going to the person we've hurt and telling them that we're sorry. Sometimes it means going to a third party 
a friend, a house group leader, maybe the vicar, and telling them something we've done. It's terrifying. It's very difficult. And yet, it's the most liberating, enriching, and powerful things we can ever do. In De Profundis, Oscar Wilde said, "Wrote while in prison, a man's very highest moment, I have no doubt at all, is when he kneels in the dust and beats his breast and tells all the sin of his life. It's humanity's highest moment, and it's the most important thing we can do for ourselves, for our relationship with God." And for those around us. But why is it so important? I think Psalm 51 is a beautiful picture of why it's so. First of all, through confession, we can leave the past behind. David says, "According to your great comp- compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." In these early verses of this psalm, we see the incredible effect of of confession. When we get things wrong, it feels like it's impossible to escape them. Here, this psalm, written by David, we see David's kind of being confronted by the fact he's really messed up. He's the king of Israel, and he was on the roof of his palace, and he sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof. And she's another man's wife. He's taken her. He slept with her. He's got her pregnant. And then he tries an elaborate cover-up, which fails. And so has her husband, the noble and upright and loyal, loyal Uriah, killed. He's broken four of ten commandments in one foul swoop. He's abused the power of his office. And when he's supposed to be protecting his people and giving them a good example, he's done the opposite. He's been a thief. He's been an adulterer. He's been a murderer, and a hypocrite. And he doesn't seem to be able to get away from what he's done. He says, "My sin in verse three. My sin confronts me all day long. It's as if it's become a part of him. I don't know whether you felt like this. Like some of the things you've done have sort of infected you. They've polluted you." And you can't escape their consequences. But through confession, we can experience total forgiveness. And David uses two images: blotting out and cleansing, for what God does with our past when we confess our sins to Him. First of all, blotting out. David seems to feel like he's carrying around a book with him, with、um, a book of his life, his biography, in which everything he's ever done is written. And now this episode is included in his biography, and there's nothing he can do. But when we confess what we've done to God, it's as if He blots out our record of wrongs. It's as if, by the power of the cross, God takes an eraser to David's biography and to our biography, and simply deletes everything that we've confessed. God is meant to be omniscient, knowing everything. And yet, God promises to forget our sins. As we confess our sins to God, He erases them. And it's as if we go to God and say,、oh, "Remember that time when I messed up?" And God says, "No, I don't know what you're talking about." 
is not relevant to God anymore. It's in the past. It's gone. Forgotten. So God blots out our record of sin from our past. The second image is one of washing. God cleanses us. When we sin, it's as if, it's as if we get kind of polluted by it. We feel spoiled, unclean. You'll remember Lady Macbeth desperately trying to wash her hands and yet not being convinced that a spot of blood remains on her. In the same way, we can feel tarnished by sin. But God takes us and he washes us of our sin. The word used for washing here is literally washing by treading. It's kind of a vigorous process that gets right into the fabric. It's not just kind of wiping the surface. It's a deep washing. The word for cleansing that's used is the word used for getting rid of impurities from metals. Again, it's a deep and thorough process. When we confess our sins to God, he, through the work of his Son on the cross, makes us whiter than snow. He doesn't just wipe the surface. He makes us completely clean right in the deepest part of ourselves. He makes us whiter than snow. Not something I've witnessed when washing my clothes. But he does, he does this extraordinary thing of making us whiter than snow. Confession then enables us to leave our past behind. They're gone, forgotten. As Corrie ten Boone puts it, God takes our sins and throws them into the deepest ocean, gone forever, and then puts up a sign saying no fishing. Through confession, we leave our past behind. Our sins are blotted out in the record of our lives and we are made completely clean. That's the first reason why confession is so important. It enables us to leave the past behind. Second of all, confession enables us to become the people we've always longed to be. God doesn't just blot out what's happened and cleanse us from the past. He doesn't just deal with the event. He goes right to the root cause. David says of himself, I have been a sinner from birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In other words, David is feeling like what he's done is not an aberration. It feels like what he's done is part of who he is in some way. And deep down, we're all created good by God. Our most essential natures are good, but we are all tainted, fallen, corrupted, so that sin becomes part of our character. When we sin, we do we form bad habits. We make it easier to do the same thing again in the future. It becomes part of who we are. And it's not only our mistakes and failings which become part of our character, but there's the influence of our families, of our upbringing, of our insecurities and hurts from the past. And this is what David seems to be saying here. He can see from his past mistakes as well from his family history, his upbringing, his character, how he could do something like this. It's not just the act itself, but it's who he's become, which is the problem. He says, I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And I don't know whether you feel the same, whether the things that you do, the things in you may be fears, selfishness, jealousies, insecurities, bad habits which make you feel which make you feel like you do things that you don't want to do 
and you don't do things that deep down you long to do. But the wonderful thing is that through confession, God deals with the deep root causes of sin. David asked God to create in him a pure heart, to renew a steadfast spirit within him. And God promises to do this for all of us who confess to him. As we confess, we don't only just leave behind that particular sin, but God breaks the power of that sin in our lives, enabling us not to do the same thing again. I know I've experienced this, particularly actually when confessing to a third party. It breaks the power of whatever I'm struggling with. Confession is transformative as well as cleansing. It enables God to rebuild our character and enable us to be the people that deep down we long to be. So that's the second reason why confession is so important. Thirdly, confession enables us to return to the most important relationship. When we mess up, when we hurt other people, when we make bad and selfish decisions, we are drawn away from God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, you remember they hid themselves from God. They felt ashamed to be near him. And I think that's a picture of how we often feel when we've messed up. But when we confess our sins, we are brought back into God's presence. David asked that God would allow him to remain in his presence, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. When we confess, we are brought back into the presence of God. You remember the story of the prodigal son, the father waiting each day for his son to return. And then when he catches sight of him, running to him and hugging him and kissing him. It is like this when we confess, when we make the first tentative steps towards God. He runs to us and hugs us. And he does this by filling us with his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is that which brings us in to the presence of God so that we might know him again intimately. It is through confession that God fills us anew with his Holy Spirit that we can know again the love of God in our hearts. So that's the third reason. Confession enables us to return to the most important relationship. So confession enables us to leave the past behind. It enables us to become the people that deep down we really long to be. It brings us back into a relationship with God. And fourthly, confession empowers us to change the world. Luther described sin as a heart curved in on itself. When we're weighed down by our guilt and our shame, we're turned in on ourselves, consumed by our own problems. But when we confess our sins and experience God's forgiveness, it's as if we're turned out onto the world. Our eyes are turned upwards to God and out to the world. We can see this with David as the psalm progresses. At the beginning of the psalm, he's consumed by his own guilt. But as he begins to experience God's forgiveness through confession... He begins then first to praise God and to long to praise God, asking him to open up his lips. And then he looks to see how he can have a con an effect on others. In verse 17, he's saying, I will teach 
transgresses your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. In other words, he's beginning to long for others what he's received himself. When we receive forgiveness from God, letting go of the past and restored into the presence of God, it is the most natural thing to want to share that with other people. And David begins not only to look on the effect of forgiveness on individuals, but suddenly on whole societies. By verse 18, he is looking for the effect on forgiveness on the whole of Jerusalem, restored, worshipping God and delighting in God. Jesus commanded his disciples to be, and by us, by extension, to be witnesses to the whole world. But what are we witnesses of? At the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to be witnesses of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We're not witnesses to the world of how to be good. We're witnesses of what it means to be forgiven. Confessing our sins empowers us to be witnesses to the world of just what it means to be forgiven. And so it's not just for ourselves, for our own sakes, that we confess our sins. But it's for the sake of God's mission to the world. And we know this, don't we? Just how powerful and encouraging it is when we hear of people who've messed up but come to God in confession, turn their lives around, and a complete live a new lives completely free from the past. It's a powerful witness to the church and to the world. So why is confession so important? Well, it enables us to live renewed lives, free from the past and in a relationship with God that has an impact on other people. But how can we do this? Confession remains so difficult, even if it's so important. Going back to my time in the monastery and being unable to confess these things, I remember feeling really pretty down after that, thinking, this is impossible. I can't even acknowledge these things to myself. How am I going to be able to confess these things to God? But Luigi was, was very helpful and uh, explained to me how it is God, actually, who enables us to confess and repent. It was God who helped David be confronted with his sin by sending Nathan the prophet uh, to show him what he'd done. And in John's Gospel, uh, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and convict us of our sin. And it's also the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage to confess things to God. And I remember soon after that conversation with Luigi, I then managed to confess various things uh, to God, um, sort of through Luigi. And I remember just the weight lifting off me and the new sense of freedom that I felt. But it's only God who can help us to confess our sins, to repent and to live renewed and restored lives. And he promises in the Bible, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
and for the work he's done on the cross so that all of us might be able to experience your forgiveness. Lord, thank you for the power of confession, that when we give you our sins, when we acknowledge our sins to you, you cleanse them from our lives. You blot them out from the history of our lives. You enable us to be the people that deep down we long to be. Lord, thank you. And Father, I pray that you'd come now by your Spirit and fill our hearts anew with your love. Give us a reassurance of your, of your love for us and of your forgiveness. Lord, if there's anyone here who's feeling uh, burdened by the past, who feels they can't escape maybe some of the things from their past, Lord, we pray that you would stir their hearts with a love for you, that you would reassure them that whatever is confessed is forgiven. Lord, help us to be honest with you in everything that we do. And Father, we pray that you would enable us to be the people that deep down we long to be. You'd help us to leave behind those bad habits. That we might live focused on praising you and transforming the world. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to the um, end of the service. Um, but what I'd, we'd love to do, H and I would love to do, is if anyone would like um, prayer for anything, um, this kind of area at the front would be kind of a place for... Um, if you want to grab H.E. to pray, or me, um, or perhaps Ursula, wave a hand, Ursula. <laughs> um, we'd like prayer for anything that may have cropped up during uh, this service, and we'd love to do that for you. It would be a privilege. Um, but if, um, or if you'd like to just stay in your seats or whatever, uh, you're free to do that. Otherwise, there's tea and coffee at the back. Um, and uh, a final prayer of blessing. Um, May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Lovely to see you all. See you all next week.